We're going to do things a little differently for the next few moments uh, today than what we would normally do. We're going to have some tag team speaking today, but this is a time of participation. And so we're going to talk for a little bit, and then we're going to participate, and we're going to talk for a little bit, and we're going to participate. Are you all ready to participate? Four of you. Great. All right. Wonderful. How many of you ready to participate today? All right. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to be talking about something that is one of the greatest privileges and responsibilities of any follower of Christ. It is both a privilege and a responsibility. And we're going to talk about prayer today. Let me give you a couple of quotes about prayer, and then we're going to jump right into it. Billy Graham said, to get nations back on their feet, we must first get them down on their knees. Soren Kierkegaard said, prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. Holocaust survivor Corey Tinboom said, any concern too small to be turned into a prayer is too small to be made into a burden. As we talk about prayer today, we're going to break it up into three categories. And after we talk about each one of these categories, we're going to have a time of participation when we're going to actually pray. Imagine that. We're going to talk about prayer and then we're actually going to do it. I was once at a minister's meeting. There was thousands of ministers there. And um, Dr. Paul Walker, who pastored the Mount Perrin Church of God in downtown Atlanta for 100 years or something, uh, forever, just a brilliant man, wonderful pastor. I'll never forget what he said. He was praying to God during this prayer meeting. He was the speaker for this time. And he said, God, please forgive us for spending too much time talking about prayer and not enough time actually doing it. That really stuck with me. So we're going to talk and then we're going to participate. We're going to break it up into three categories, namely recover, remember, and reach. Recover, remember, and reach. Well, let's jump into recover. I want you to grab your Bibles if you'd like to and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30. It's in the Old Testament. We've all had experiences in our lives in which we were following Christ, trusting God, praying, believing, standing in faith, and yet events did not turn out the way we were planning on them turning out. They didn't turn out the way we were hoping that they would turn out. Things went sideways, they went south, however you want to describe it, but it just didn't happen the way we thought it was going to happen. And many times we get confused and we don't understand and we're trying to figure out why and all of those things. And yet God says, hey, hold on, chill out for a moment, I'm still in control. Even though things look like they're in an upheaval, God has it under control. It's an ultimate control. And yet, in those moments and times in our lives when things don't go the way we want them to, we can get caught into the quagmire of trying to figure out all the answers. Why? How come? Why me? But instead, we need to move beyond that. Perhaps you've gotten caught in that quagmire in the past experiences of saying, well, I don't understand that, so I'm not sure I can understand the future. The devil wants to keep us in that difficulty. He wants to keep that alive within our lives, and yet we've got to learn to recover from those past disappointments so that we can move on. In 1 Samuel uh, chapter 30, we see that David has been anointed king of Israel, but he's not yet king. He's been anointed by the prophet, but he's not the king yet. So he has a band of raiders, maybe 600 strong at this point in time. And so they are going out and, and partly defending Israel and partly raiding other countries. 
And so they bring their wives and their children and all their possessions to a town called Ziklag. And they leave their wives, children, and all their possessions there, and they go out defending and raiding. Well, the Amalekites, an enemy of Israel, comes along and comes to Ziklag and finds all the men are gone. And so they take all of the wives, all of the children, all of the gold, silver, anything that they had. And once they pulled everything out, then they burned the city of Ziklag. When David and his men come back to the city, they, of course, see what has happened. And this is what the word says in verse number 6, 1 Samuel 36. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Now the King James Version says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. But here's something that David did not do. He did not waste time trying to figure out, okay, who made the mistake, who went wrong, who's to blame, who are we going to put the finger to? I mean, just what he never did that. What he did was to say, okay, the men around me are trying to blame this on me. I can't stop that. I can't fix that. But what I can do is I can find strength in God. I can't figure this out, but I can find strength in God. And that's what he was doing. He said, the one thing I can do, I must do. He found a way to find strength and courage in God. That's a part of recovery. When you can't figure it out, you can say, but I can still be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The second thing that David did was he began to ask for help. Verse number eight, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them. He answered, you will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. So David first strengthened himself in the Lord. He found courage in the Lord, but then he began to ask God, okay, what do I do next? He didn't ask God, okay, who do I blame this on? Okay, how, how do we go back? He said, no, I'm moving forward. I'm going forward. I'm not going to get stuck in the past. I'm going forward. And so he asked God for help. He asked God for direction. What am I going to do next? Now, let's take some time and pray about that right now. And I'm encouraging you, those who are watching by Facebook, participate with us. This is a time for all of us to pray together. What has happened in your past? Because we all have a past, right? Everybody say yes. All right. We all have a past. We've all had disappointments. All had things happen. That's just life. That's not just because we're Christians. That's life. But have you gotten stuck in that situation? Have you found yourself always going back to that place of hurt? God is saying, don't go back to the place of hurt. Move forward in strength and in courage. Now, here's why I'm going to ask you to participate. Here's why I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to pray one for another. And we're going to pray together. And we're going to pray for healing for those past events that you'll not get stuck there, but you'll move on. So how many of you today would say, you know what? There's this thing or these things that have happened in my past and I want to be free from them. I'm going to find my strength and courage in God and I'm going to seek God for the future and not to try and figure out the past. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand up right where you're at and we're going to pray together as the body of Christ. Absolutely. Several people standing. Several people. 
All right. Hey, this is life, right? This is life 101. Things happen, but God says, I'm going to work in that thing for your good and for the good of the kingdom. So, okay, let's pray right now together. Body of Christ, we're all praying together right now. And if you want to, if you're near someone, you can begin to pray for that person. You may call them by name. You may know them. You may not, but you pray for the body of Christ. All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you, God, for your grace over us. Lord, you declared that the rain falls on the good and the bad, the just and the unjust. You said, Lord, that there's a storm comes to everyone's life. The ones who build their life on doing your word, hearing it and doing your word are those who build on the rock. And we withstand that storm. But Lord, those who build their house on anything else, it's like shifting sand. Lord, we want to build our house on the rock, doing your word. And so, Father, that storm still comes and we still don't understand it. We still don't like it. But yet, Father, in it all, we will not get caught in the storm. We're going to move out of the storm into your goodness, into your pleasure. Father, we pray for healing right now in Jesus' name. That even the memory of those events would become, start to become something that we praise you for and thank you for because you are working in our lives, even through those situations. And so, Father, we'll not get caught in the problems of that trial, but we will move out of that into your goodness and into your blessing. Now, in the name of Jesus, we bind every attack of the enemy, everything that Satan would try to do, every lie that he tells us. We are not ignorant of his devices, his tricks, his schemes. But, Lord, we hold up that shield of faith and quench all of the fiery darts of the enemy. And, Lord, we tune in our ears to hear, God, what are you saying to us? What are you saying to us about the future? And, Lord, we declare in Jesus' name we will move forward following your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Can we put our hands together just as a declaration to say, God, thank you for healing us. Thank you, God, for healing us. Bless the name of the Lord, bless the name of the Lord. All right, hey, John, is John Ryan. I asked John to, to come up here and uh, talk for a few moments, and he's going to cover the part about remembering. You know as Chris said, we all have a past. Every one of us has a past. And we want to use that past as a, uh, like a launching pad as we move forward in Christ and, and what he has for us. And when Chris asked me to talk about remembering, you know, I thought, well, I don't really necessarily want to come up here and, you know, and, and, and share those kinds of things. But my past, if it can help somebody else's past, and if, if, if what happened um, makes a way for somebody else, then this is an opportunity to go ahead and do that. So I was talking with Robin a little bit about what we would, you know, I could talk about. And the verses that come to mind for me when I think about uh, remember and God's promises, when you put those two together, for me and then for you, most of you, probably Jeremiah 29 and 11 come to mind. You know, and we know that God does have a plan for us. From the moment we accept Jesus Christ as the Savior, we know that that plan is, 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 is just thrown in motion. And so when Rob and I were thinking about what it is that um, we would share, you know, partly for me, it's, it's a little bit more difficult because I think and many of you may feel the same way. It's your story and you're passionate about that. It's hard to get up and just share those passions without getting emotional. So you kind of have to pick and choose how you go about sharing those things. So when Rob and I were talking, you know, I said, okay, well, you know, 
I'm not necessarily going to share this because, you know, I don't know that I can emotionally get through that. But then I thought, you know what, why don't I share little bits and pieces? So, you know, when I think about it, you know, I won't share necessarily about the time when Rob and I had been married um, six months and she found a lump. And then after prayer and um, devil surgeries, we we celebrated our 33rd anniversary last last week. You know, God, he cares, you know. We knew that, you know, that God could do this. But in those moments, you, you know that anything can happen. But what God was saying is, if you'll let go of your grasp on this world and you'll just take my hand, I have a plan. And let me work it. You know, also a story I'm not going to go into much detail is, is, you know, we spent hmm, probably five years um, dealing with uh, fighting Satan as he was trying to just destroy one of our children. But you know what? Restoration came. And that child is incredible. Better than she ever was. He made her into something totally different. We would never go back. We would never want to do that again, ever. But you know what? God did a masterful miracle in that child's life. And in our lives, we have something we can stand on. And we know that if we go through something similar, we've been here. And God took care of the situation. So in those things, I was thinking, okay, what can I really share that can go into more detail about? So I thought, you know what, let me share a little bit about what happens when a 21-year-old guy who's lost in the world finds Jesus. And how God took and said, I've got a plan for you. It was one of the first verses that I think I learned um, that I really grabbed onto. Again, I was 21. I was between my sophomore and my junior year of college. Um, and I really had not, had not done really well as far as like planning what my future was going to be. Um, I had been to two different colleges, had two different majors, and was miserable. And during that summer, I went ahead and I... Um, my sister had gotten saved, and so she and I were talking, and so I accepted Christ. And it was in that moment that, number one, I realized God had a plan for me. God cared for me. And I just needed to let go and to grab on to him. And it's like my life opened up and changed in a very different direction than what I had wanted to do. It's interesting. When you let God, you often find out that the thing that you are supposed to be doing is often the thing that you're running from. And that was exactly true for me. I was running away from the things that was probably were talents or strengths because I had been told, don't do it. Um, you know, I grew up in a home. I was a, with a Catholic family. There were seven children all back to back. Um, bless my mom. Um, and uh, we lived in a very small town, about 500 people in upstate New York. So I had very little experiences as to what life would like or what it would bring. Um, and I know that... When we got saved, there was this. There were three churches in town. There was a Catholic church, which of course I went to, and there was a Methodist church, and there was an Episcopal church, and that was it. Well, about the time I got saved, there was a home group church that was um, became an Assembly of God's church. So we would start going there, and they would just start speaking into our lives, and we started reading the Word, um, and it just it completely changed things. Now I know my parents thought we were involved in a cult, but you know what? They did not stop us. 
which I thought was incredible that God provided, allowed them to let us do this, knowing that they were scared about where this was going to take us. But as it turned out, it took me down a whole different path. So I, I went into education. I got a, went to a new college, my third college. By the way, it was my third college in the third state. Like if I, so when I tell you I was a little confused, I was confused. And, but at that point, you know, I watched God open up things. There was a job fair in um, Boston, so I went to it. There was a sign on one of the doors, and it said, men needed. I went, okay, I qualify. <laughs> so I went on in. And I, what happened was, it was Gwinnett County Public Schools from Georgia. And I was in Boston. This was in 1982. I didn't even know what a Gwinnett was, <laughs> let alone much about Georgia. But they followed up. I flew down with no real plan other than, okay, God, if this is what you want, make it happen. I literally flew into Atlanta not knowing how I was going to get from the airport to Lawrenceville for the interview. And I often wonder, what were my parents thinking? I mean, really. Um, <laughs> we would never do that. But anyway, so this 21-year-old takes off, does that. Um, we, the long story short is they offer me a job. 20, 48 hours later, I take it pack everything I own into a car, drive to Georgia. Don't know where, really, I know where I'm going because I know where the school is. That's about the extent of it. God places an Assembly God Church right next door to that school. I start going there. They love, they, they, they love on me. They put into me. I, I, I look back and I think all of the things that I was most fearful about, God answered. He made a way. He made a plan. Even in my, I'm going to say ignorance, in my naive, he had the plan. All I had to do was let go and to walk with him. And so I tell all that to let you know that when he says he has a plan and it's not for evil, it's not for harm, it's for good. It really was for good. It changed my entire life. At that church two years later, uh, in my Sunday school class, a beautiful young lady walked in. And I thought, and I actually, it wasn't an audible voice, but I heard God say, this one's special. Two years later, Robin and I were married. You know, I never went back to New York. I had a plan. My plan, my backup plan was, if this doesn't work in three years, I'll go back. That wasn't God's backup plan. His backup plan was that I would become who he wanted me to become, that I would trust him. And we've been trusting God since then, day by day, through every situation. And there are many hurdles. You guys have hurdles. You have stories. Every one of us has stories. So today, as we're, uh, it was one of the things I was going to mention, was Psalms 34 was what I first started reading when I was 21. I'm telling you, during that phase, that first three or four years of moving south, being totally on my own, I probably read that every day. And you know, God does give his angels charge over you and protect you. And yes, you're going to have troubles. And that, that whole chapter, I, I, I could almost quote it. I've written it so many times. But it just says that you're going to have them. You're going to have troubles. But rest, God is going to take care of you. And he even says, and there not even one bone broken. Not to say you won't break a bone. But what he's saying is, I got you. And he did. So we're going to pray right now, too. What I'd like you to do is think about a past, a remembering, something you remember, something that you hold on tightly to that says, 
I know there's God. God cares for me, cares for my family. Because of these experiences, there's, I don't have any doubt. I know it. So when we're praying right now, I just want you to, if you would, just, um, if you feel comfortable standing up, I, I think we'd appreciate that. And I'm going to pray. I want you to be praying that um, you, God uses those experiences in your life to reach forward because we all have next chapters. There's, all, there's things that are happening, things that are going to take place, but we can do this. So let me go ahead and pray. Dearly Father, Lord, Lord, we just thank you for this body, Lord. I thank you that you are a God that cares for us, that you love us, that you have a plan, and it's a good plan, Lord Jesus, and that you need us just to let go of the grip that's on this world, Lord, and grip your hand and walk with you through life's events. Yes, there may be trials, Lord, but you know those trials. You knew them ahead of time, and you have that plan, Lord. And we just pray for each one of these families, Lord, that as they stand firm on the knowledge and the trust of what you've already done for them, that they will use that to step forward into the next chapters that you have for them and for us as a church and a body, that you will just bless it, Lord Jesus. Give them strength, give them wisdom, and just allow them to wrap their arms around you and let you wrap your arms around them, Lord, and just continue as we move forward. We love you, Jesus. In your awesome name we pray. Amen. Thank you, John, so much. It's uh, to remember God's faithfulness, to remember what he has done, what he's already done, just gives us that, that emphasis, that energy to believe him for what we've yet to see him do, which is what we're talking about next, and that's reach. When we're reaching forward for what God is going to do in the future, we're taking his promises and saying, okay, I haven't seen this yet, but I'm reaching forward, and I believe it's going to happen. When we meditate on God's promises and the experience of answered prayer that we've received, it gives us that emphasis. Back to 1 Samuel chapter 30, David and his men are now pursuing the Amalekites. David encouraged himself. He transitioned that encouragement to those men. He sought God. He got a word from God, a promise, and now he's pursuing the Amalekites. And these 600 or so men are pursuing, and there were about 200 of them just became so weak in the journey that they could not continue. And so by one of the streams there, they left some of their equipment, and 200 of the men stayed with the equipment, and the other men continued to pursue the Amalekites. Chapter 30, verse 18 and 19 says, David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder, or anything else that they had taken. David brought everything back. David went from being in absolute distress, anxiety, stress, concerned about his life. The men were talking about stoning him. He went from absolute distress to remembering God's faithfulness and pursuing God's promise, and then he met with success. Everything was recovered. Everyone's wife, all the children, all of the goods, everything was recovered, so he had success. God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. God has such a plan for you. 
It's not like we've got to like talk God into blessing us. He wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. He wants you to have success. He, he wants you to experience the best that you possibly can. And the best that you possibly can is always found in pursuing him. But his blessing is not just for you. He doesn't want you to pursue just simply blessings for you, but yet blessings for other people also. Look there in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 22. As they are taking this wives and children and the plunder and everything back, they came to those men who were there at the stream, the 200 men who were too tired to pursue. And everyone was saying, hey, what happened? How's it going? Wow, this is a great victory. But look what happens. Verse 22. But all the evil men and troublemakers among David's followers... Well, we could just stop for a moment and meditate on that. These were not just a group of guys that were all the same and were all positive. They had not yet read Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. <laughs> Some of them were troublemakers. And they said, because these guys, these 200 did not go with us, they will not share in the plunder that we recovered. Basically, they said they can have their wives and children, but that's it. They don't get any of the good stuff, any of the, the, the gold and silver, anything like that. David had a reply in verse 23. He said, no, my brothers, you must not do that with what the Lord has given us. See, he gave credit immediately to the Lord. He says, the Lord has protected us and delivered into our hands the raiding party that came against us. Verse 24 says, the share of the man who stayed with the supplies is, the, is to be the same as that of him who went down to the battle. All will share alike. You see, David was reaching for God's promises for himself and for all of the men and their families who were with him. That's the mark of the church, that we pursue God for the sake of pursuing God, knowing that in, in return, God will bless us, but yet we never pursue God simply from a selfish vantage point. We pursue God to say, God, we want, yes, we want your blessings, but Lord, we want this community to receive your blessings. We want our state to be blessed. We want our country to be blessed. We send money and missionaries all over the world because we want the world to be blessed. So the Christian pursues God for blessing, but also for the blessing of other people. And in a moment like this, it's vitally important for us to remember that, that what we do in pursuing God is not just for us. I want to read to you a portion of a speech that Benjamin Franklin made on June 22nd, 1787, as the convention was transpiring and they were trying to come up with the Constitution for the United States of America. They had started meeting in May and they had several weeks of just not getting it, not, they were getting sidetracked, nothing was really happening. And finally, Benjamin Franklin stood up, and this is a portion of his speech, and I'm going to read it, and then we're going to move into a time of prayer. He said, In this situation of this assembly, groping as it were in the dark to find political truth, and scarce able to distinguish it when it presented to us, how has it happened, sir, that we have not hitherto once thought of humbly applying to the Father of lights to illuminate our understandings? In the beginning of the contest with Great Britain, 
When we were sensible of danger, we had daily prayer in this room for the divine protection. Our prayers, sir, were heard, and they were graciously answered. All of us who were engaged in the struggle must have observed frequent instances of a superintending providence in our favor. To that kind providence, we owe this happy opportunity of consulting in peace on the means of establishing our future national felicity. And have we forgotten that powerful friend? Or do we imagine that we no longer need his assistance? I have lived, sir, a long time. A long time I've lived. And the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? He has been assured. We have been assured, sir, in the secret writings that except the Lord build, they labor in vain who build it. I firmly believe this. And I also believe that without his concurring aid, we will succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel. We shall be divided by our little partial local interest. Our projects will be confounded, and we ourselves shall become a reproach and a byword down to future age. And what is worse, mankind may hitherto from this unfortunate instance despair of establishing governments by human wisdom and leave it to chance, war, and conquest. He was saying we are pursuing God for peace and for unity and for blessing, but also to be a mark to this entire world that this is how it can be done when you submit yourself to Christ, when you submit yourself to the providence of God and you pursue him and you pursue freedom. The mark of the Christian is that we pursue God for the sake of pursuing God, knowing that the reward is the blessings that he gives us, but we are never content to say, I want to selfishly absorb them for myself, but Lord, I want everyone to be blessed. David made a decree in that moment that from this point in time, forevermore, as long as he was the king, that everyone would share in the blessings alike. And that's the mark of, of, of us as Christians, that we share in the blessings alike. So this is that what we come to now in a time of final participation in prayer. And I'm going to ask Micah, and I think uh, Kelsey's coming up to help us with some, uh, some music.